You know, the world right now is a really unsettled place. And for such a time as this, women play a most important role in history as peacemakers. The goal of Ladies of Liberty Sound Off is to affect the lives of women in an empowering way through discussion of important issues of the day. So, are you ready? The Ladies of Liberty are ready to sound off. You know, baby boomers, of which I am one, are getting a bad rap. And they have been for a few years, but it seems like the older the younger generation gets, the worse we sound. And I'm really not happy with that because I think we have a lot to offer, we baby boomers. What a classic generation. But there are a few things that we're hearing noise about. Uh, but first, you know what? There are a fun few facts about baby boomers that I'd like to share. And it's coming from a website. These are not mine. Uh, it's called Careful with the China, which I think is a, a fun name in itself. One interesting, not necessarily fun, but one interesting fact is that 90% of we baby boomers are married. I don't know that generations younger than ours can say that. In fact, I'm pretty sure they can't. And we of the baby boomer generation got married between the ages of 18 and 33. And I know that is not happening today. Just 36% of Gen Xers and just a mere 26% of millennials are now married. So perspectives have changed clearly. Just that could be a whole new conversation in and of itself. The baby boomers hold the highest paying jobs. And that is another reason the younger generations are saying they've had enough of baby, boomer, baby boomers, that the baby boomers are living longer and taking the jobs that should be there for the younger generation. I don't know about you, but I'm not ready to step aside and put my briefcase down. I'm a small business owner, and I hope to have many, many, many more years of work. The generations below us can either join us or continue to wait patiently, like our mothers taught us to do. The fun facts are things such as we are the last generation who can remember, from experience, mind you, using a typewriter looking things up in something called an encyclopedia, rotary phones, changing the channels on the television using a knob, which meant getting up off your hind end, going over to the television, no matter how far across the room it was. And that television was really small and ours was black and white while we were young. And turning the dial for your one of three stations that you could pull in, unless you had tinfoil on your antennas or you if you were really wealthy, you had one of those rotary dial things that would turn an antenna that was on top of your television. It would turn it around so you didn't have to crawl up there and do it. And the television stations, they stopped. They stopped at midnight. And at midnight, the, and I so wish they would bring us back. At midnight, when the television shows stopped on television, they played the national anthem. When they I signed off, that. At, it was a beautiful thing. About buying vinyl records, because that was all there was. Oh, how about this one? If anybody can remember the invasion of the Beatles. And I'm not talking about a bug. I'm talking about four particular young, handsome gentlemen from England. And then we remember things easily, again, through just living through that era of Rosa Parks refusing to move to the back of the bus. The assassination of President John F. Kennedy Jr., Watergate, Nixon, 
and Neil Armstrong's first step on the moon's surface. That was not a hoax. So apparently the younger generations are thinking that it's the boomer generation that has caused the problems that we have today as far as global warming, as far as economics, as far as religion, and the list just goes on and on and on. I think there's a great disconnect between the boomers and the younger generations. I'm not entirely sure why, except I do have to ask the question, do you think, do you think the baby boomers are responsible for these things that the younger generation are complaining about? What do you think? Uh, of course. But every single generation, of course, of course, every single generation is responsible um, for how they live. I mean, it's not, this isn't new. And I, I'm going to tell Generation Z, their kids are going to complain too. Um, <laughs> it's just natural. Okay. You know, mm -hmm. um, I, it really is. I, I mean, we're, the truth is we're doing the best we can. Each generation has, uh, you know, is given uh, the education and the information um, that they that they're given, and we do the best we can. Whether it's um, the gen, you know, the the the, the, the people, our grandparents who grew up in the in the depression, to the boomers, to the you know Generation X, to the Generation Z. I've, each generation, I feel, you know, we do the best we can with what we're given and we make the best decisions we can with what we're given. So I think that the difference is that generation Z has a tendency to, to play the victim a little bit True. more than yeah. other generations. And so they're looking, I think that they look for someone or something to blame for all their problems. So there you have it. There you have it. Very good. Well, I you agree. know, that, that somewhat that we are responsible for some of the issues. We're responsible for spoiling these generations a little bit more. And therefore they don't seem to have the same work ethic and um, you know, the, the same religious ethics that the boomers had. But I mean, ultimately they're pretty well off thanks to the boomers, they, they just need to step up and make their own way. It's not for us as boomers to give it to them. It's for them to find their own way. So I'm not taking a job. I also am an entrepreneur. I also have my own business. I'm not taking their job. I'm actually supplying them jobs. If they would choose to, to, to start a business as I did, that's available to them. Nobody's stopping them from doing that. So I agree with you, Judy, that they're a little bit victims. And Becky mentioned the global warming thing where we're responsible for that. No, I think God is responsible for that. I don't think that man is responsible for that. The earth, if you look at your geography, your history, it rotates around and it also rotates the other way on its axis. It is natural in time, in history, over the millions of years the earth has been here 
for whether to change. And it would have to just think about it. It has to change because if you're rotating, you're going to be in different environments within the universe at any given moment. And you get colder, you get warmer. If you look at history, that is the way of the world. So I'm not taking any responsibility for global warming. And pollution back in our day, back when we were young, and the boomers were young, I remember our skies being much more polluted. And thanks to us, actually, even though we may have created it, we actually also got rid of it. So if you go to other countries like India, where you can barely breathe, you know, we've done a pretty good job of taking care of our environment in this country. Could we do better? Everybody can always do better. But I'm not taking the blame for a lot of this. I think the boomers was one of the greatest generations. And I think that our young people really could learn from the boomers, just as they do in some other nations where they respect the um, experience and the education and the just the whole life experience that can be translated to another generation like they do in Japan, where they really respect their elders. I, I think that that would be a really novel change for us to have in this country. And I would look forward to that because we still have a lot to offer. I'm like you, Becky, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> well, you know, Linda, I actually have a good example of what I think and being at the very tail end, I think I'm literally the last baby boomer on record, possibly, but I have seen, I've been able to watch a company that my father who is 86 and he just retired a year ago, believe it or not. And I'm, I've been watching how that company has worked with my father's generation of which he, I think he may have been the only one there that old, but the many in their sixties, but many in their early twenties and watching how they intentionally put the younger generation working with my father who had that wisdom that the owner of the company thankfully valued and could see the value in having him uh, share his wisdom with the younger generation. That was such a beautiful blending in a business situation, in a very successful business situation where by the time it it came time for my dad to leave the company, that younger generation not only had some of the technology that perhaps my father would have struggled with or didn't embrace, but they also understood the workings of, let's say, doing the books, which is what he was responsible for, the way they used to do it a long, long time ago. And there is value in knowing that baseline, to use that term, and it was a beautiful blending. And that would that's the way I, I would love to see, as you said, Linda, I would love to see the younger generation appreciate what we do have to offer in many, many ways instead of playing the victim. And I think it can happen. I, and I'm seeing more and more of that, thankfully. I know sometimes the media likes to just run with this and just say, oh, they're all this and all that. But I am truly seeing where it's working. And I have great hopes that the younger generation, as every generation should, learn from the one before. 
Well, I have a theory. I, I think that they won't learn until they become the older generation. <laughs> oh, true. You know, once, right. you know, <laughs> once they become the then, older generation, I don't yes. know if, it, if, uh, if they're going to reach out and really uh, try to gain the wisdom from, from the boomers. I'm not so sure, but I think it's interesting that, um, that, that the Generation Z feels that we can actually control weather and atmosphere oh. and the universe which is really very narcissistic. It's very interesting to me. I, I do feel, like you said, Linda, I, I, I look at, you know, when we were kids, I remember doing the big uh, cleanup drive and I had signs, don't pollute, uh, don't be a litter bug. Do you remember that one? Don't be yeah. a litter bug. Yeah. We were all very concerned. And I do feel like our, our skies are much cleaner at least in the U.S. than they've ever been. Um, When you look at really what has been going on in industry, the whole uh, the whole World War II uh, era, our parents era, when when they were coming back from war, we were highly industrialized. We were all the inventions were amazing. And we just didn't like I said, I think we were doing the best we could with the knowledge we had. We had no idea that this progress was going to be polluting our skies and our air. And yet, as we found out, I feel like we're, we're definitely making strides to, as, a, as a nation to correct that. Um, but to, for me, the differences between the generations, and, and I had shared this with you guys before, but it really stuck out for me is... Um, according to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. When you look at what our parents, our parents' needs were, they were literally in the depression, they were physiological needs. Their, their uh, needs were food and water and a roof over their head and rest. Um, that's the, the basic, your basic needs was what they were concerned about. They were not they were consumed with feeding their children and making sure that their children were warm. And that's completely different than the way our children are being raised. And when you look at the next, really the next generation that kind of bled into that was, you know, World War, World War II. Uh, we came back from war. We were prosperous. Um, but during the war, our whole concern was about safety, right, and security. And, um, and it, that shapes you when you come back though, from war and we were prosperous and it was almost as it was this booming time and that's where the boomers came from, right? We were born out of that. And now you have your safety and your psychological needs met and your physiological needs are met. So now you have the luxury, right? To worry about belonging and love needs, having intimate relationships, having friends, making our ch- children feel loved and appreciated and safe, right? We, that's what we were concerned about um, when we were raising our children. And I think out of that, because all the other needs were met, we started to worry about their self-esteem, right? Which is the next step. Um, prestige, feeling of accomplishment. And, and out of that was born, come on, guys, remember 
when our kids were playing soccer and none of the teams were winning because it would make people feel bad. Uh, did did you guys ever experience that? I oh, don't know. Absolutely. But I hated that. I mean, I, it was crazy. I still hate Me that. too. <laughs> I know. And it was crazy. And but everybody was worried about their self, you know, their kids' self-esteem and don't, you know, um, you can't have winners and losers and blah, blah, blah. And the very top is self-actualization. Okay. Achieving one's full potential, including creative activities. And to me, that at the very end, to me, that's where narcissism can be born, really, because all you're worrying about is yourself, right? You know, and, and to that point, when, when they're in college, and they have these safe spaces, and they need their blankie, and you can't say this, right. and you can't say that. I, it's so different than when we were growing up. I mean, I remember being under my desk at school with air raids a lot of times. Our kids have never had to experience something like that. So it is, a, it is a different world. But also, the boomers did things that this generation is not doing. So we did a lot of trade, right? We, we worked in the trades. We did woodworking. We did, you know, all kinds of things with our hands And now the jobs that the kids are getting now are more in technology and computers and things like that. I don't feel like we're taking their jobs because that is not what our generation is doing in reality. I mean, most of the people in the boomer generation don't even understand computers so much. They're, they're in a different place. It's a little harder to catch up when you're older with those kinds of technologies, but the kids growing up with it, I mean, they implicitly understand it and that's what they go to work in. I don't think we're taking their jobs. I I think that they would be good to learn some of the trade things that are disappearing from the boomers. With that note, we're gonna come right back. Don't miss an episode of the Ladies of Liberty Sound Off. Subscribe to the podcast. And for the latest news and inspiration, join us back at AmericaOutloud.com. Well, my fellow Americans, how did you feel watching footage on the news of domestic terrorists looting our stores and burning our cities down? Uh, You were probably disgusted and angry as much as I was. It's disturbing what's going on. Well, you'd be shocked to know that your shopping habits are supporting these extremists. Companies like Amazon, Nike, Disney, FedEx, it's an endless list, and they've been supporting these radical groups. Let's stop supporting companies that fund these extremist groups. We can all do our part. Visit shoptotheright.com, and you'll find businesses in a nationwide database and companies that are aligned with our American values. Visit shoptotheright.com and let's all make a difference. I need that younger generation in order to show me how to use my phone. It's ridiculous, (laughs) you know? We boomers were born and raised in a time with amazing technology. The things that have happened and been created and discovered in my lifetime are, are tremendous and wonderful. And it's, it hasn't slowed down to the degree where that younger generation that has more information and knowledge in the technology field, they actually help me. I don't know what I'm going to do when I don't have a 20-year-old anymore. 
probably won't even be able to call her. But, you know, an interesting thing about the boomers, one thing that's just so seems so noticeable in society is the marriage aspect in that the interests that the younger generations seem to have don't involve marriage. And I find it somewhat curious. I'm sure I can understand it, but perhaps our generation, the boomers, was a flowing from our parents' generation where they either graduated from high school and got married, either out of necessity or they just wanted to. Perhaps few were able to afford college and marriage seemed like a natural option. But our generation more and more went to college after high school. But the marriage interest was still there. So do you remember either of you, the MRS degree and those women that would go to college to get their MRS degree? <laughs> yes. Right. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, that was a thing. And when I talked to my 20-year-old who's in college, she said it couldn't be further from her mind. Marriage could not be further from her mind right now. She has so much of life that she's interested in exploring and doing and going and, you know, what that desire. It's like, I want to see the world. I want to do this. I want to work several different jobs in all these different areas. And I like the excitement. And I, I waited until I was 31 before I was married. It just, it just happened that way. But it is interesting how the younger generation is really waiting and so what are they doing and what are they waiting for? Well, you know, what's interesting is that um, first off, something um, in our last segment when uh, about the Generation Z kind of moving away from, really moving away from religion um, and, and, and away from God. And I'm like, so why is that? Why is that? And I wonder if it's because all their needs are being met because I know for myself, you know, I mean, I love, for me, I am, I, uh, I'm a great believer in Jesus and I have a very close relationship, but I do know that my personal relationship with God is better, not better, but closer when I'm in trouble. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) So when I'm in trouble, I'm like, Hey, I'm on my knees, you know, every night and having great, long, fabulous conversations. But I wonder if they're moving away because uh, they're, they're, all of their needs are being met. The other piece of this is that this generation, Generation Z, really has, this group has grown up watching on television, watching cultural shifts with gender roles and social equality. So one third of this target group grew up in a household where their parents had children before they got married. Um, they, and this is according to Pew. Um, but also, I mean, they're, they've grown up with the norm being, you know, you can have two daddies and two mommies and this is normal and healthy to them. Um, it wasn't out of the ordinary. And I just think when they look at, at marriage, they're not, they're just not in a hurry. They don't feel the need, quote unquote, need to do it. I, and just interesting to me. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that, that they feel like they don't need to do it. 
and yeah, there, there has been a pretty high divorce rate in the country. And I think that that kind of turns some of them off. You know, you're mentioning that the people that like your daughter, Becky, they, that wants to see the world and do all these things first. And I don't disagree with that. There's just, I mean, to me, life is just a potpourri. There's so many directions you can go and so many wonderful things to see and do. It's also wonderful to do it with somebody that you're in love with. But I, I think that that generation is more self-centered. And when I say self-centered or egotistical or uh, egocentric would be more the word egocentric. I don't mean it in a bad way. I mean that some people just are more concerned about their needs than other people's needs. And I see that a lot in that generation where in my generation, you know, women were really, really givers in that generation. And I see a lot more people in the younger generations being takers. I see that as an employee employer, that the first thing that they ask me when they come in for a job, they don't tell me what they can offer my business. They don't tell me what great things they are going to do to enhance my business. They want to know what their benefits are and how much vacation time they get. And I honestly say that very seriously. That's what they ask me first. What am I going to get paid? That's crazy. Yes. How much vacation do I get? And what are my benefits? Nothing about what they have to offer me. When I went to look for a job, my first thought was always, you know, what can I bring to this company to make it better? And I would work like crazy. I would work all kinds of hours because we didn't have all these stupid labor laws that says that you have to pay them for one minute of overtime. I I just did what I needed to do to, to do my job. It's a different mindset today. And one more thing I want to bring up because you mentioned marriage. I still think that in the middle of the country, in the heartland of America, a lot of the kids are getting married young. I know so many that are getting married at 21, that, that age group, having kids early because that is the path that they choose. And then their kids are grown. And when they're in their forties, they're, they're free, you know, and they can do whatever they want to do. For me, I think that's a better path than doing it the other way, but everybody makes their own choices. It, It is definitely a different mindset than we had. And I think a lot of that, especially the religion was schooled into us in a lot of ways by people going to college that, you know, they, they turn up their nose, the professors do at religion. And we used to have such a great social network where religious organizations helped people that were down on their luck and they helped people that needed, you know, maybe they were pregnant and unwed and they helped people. Now it's become such a, a bad thing for churches to be involved. And we've made it almost, um, just unacceptable to have religion involved. And I, and I think that that's really, really sad because Judy, you said that the kids have everything they need. And I disagree. They don't have 
within themselves that inner peace. They might have all the physical things that they need, but they don't have that inner peace in their soul that religion brings you. So I do think I agree. that's sad. Yeah, I agree with you completely. I, I um, my experience is that they, they're searching, right? They're searching for that. And they, uh, they, they feel like, um, so when you look at the whole push for socialism and the whole, you know, uh, all the charitable organizations, um, and that general generation Z is really you from everything that they're saying, you would think that they were all about others, right? Um, but they're really concerned about uh, the person, you know, the downtrodden. And it, it, but I think that they're looking for, like you said, that inner peace that they don't have. And they think that that is going to fill that inner, inner you know, that need, that void that they have, what I call the God hole. Um, and you look at, you, you had a really great point. I think that for our generation, the church really was the center of, of our world in that, I mean, it took care of so much. People now are, are um, how can I say, I want to say dislocated, but I don't even know if that's the word there, but they're, they're, our social fiber is, is broken where if you belong to a church, you belong to a church family. You had, even if your own immediate family had, let's say, passed away um, for an older generation, they still had their church family that was watching out for them. They had some place to go. It was social as well as spiritual. And we're losing that. Uh, people are so segmented. And the church would care for, like you said, they would care for families and people that hit hard times. And um, it's just, I, I'm sad that we're losing that because I don't, I don't know how we're going to all bond together without it. Well, the that direction is that the government is going to take care of us. That's the socialist <laughs> direction. And that's, yeah. that's not going to end up being the truth. We, need to give people and this next generation needs to learn to give people a hand up and not a handout. And that is the best thing that you can do for people. This whole handout mentality that we've gotten into and the entitlement mentality is, is not good for America. It's not good for anybody because human beings, mm -hmm. they, they thrive on their own personal success. And the church was a place because most people honestly have the answers within themselves. If, if you can introspect for yourself, you can usually find the answers. And that was what church did a lot of times. I mean, you, you could go in there and just think, you know, just pray, just think, just what can I do? And you can figure it out. But now, Everybody wants the answer given to them. And the answer seems to be the state and the government, and they will give you this and they will give you that. And they're going to pay for this and they're going to pay for that. That's the worst answer to give our generations. I, I just would love to see that hand up instead of hand out mentality. 
Well, as a result of a lot of social change and the loss of morals, the loss of church as a foundation, I do have a concern about marriage in general. I don't want to see marriage become a thing, not completely of the past, but the sanctity of marriage is in jeopardy. And I, I certainly hope that through, literally through prayer and people willing to continue to work at it, that marriage will be one of those things that will remain. And, and the need for church and that foundation will continue to be there. And I, I think it's going to take those two generations to work together to, to bring that, to heal that, let's say. You know, you're talking about the miss, the misses, the MRS degree. And, <laughs> you know, there, there's something to be said for that. As far as marriage, one of the things that the church provided, but it doesn't have to be the church, it can be family, it can be really anybody that, you know, can can provide the information. If we could cho- teach our young to choose more wisely when they get married and what things to look for in a spouse and what red flags to avoid, I think that they would be much more successful. I think this generation is a little bit afraid of getting married because, you know, it's, it's been rocky for a lot of people, but I do think that people have not figured out how to choose wisely when they're young and they're getting married, things that will last in life. And, and I do want to talk more about that because there's a lot of th- a lot of ways you can pick the right spouse and not put yourself in that position to be divorced down the road. Absolutely. It takes work. It's hard work even before you get married. There are people that go through counseling before they get married, which in my opinion is absolutely necessary. You know, there are a lot, you have to take classes before you do this or that, or you, you need, how do you know how to be married before you're married? And with the help of parents, with the help of church, I think that's an excellent avenue to take so that it helps with making those marriages stronger. I agree. I was just talking with, with, um, so my daughter is madly in love and, um, the young man is truly wonderful. They are young. They're 21. And he asked my husband for my daughter's hand in marriage over Thanksgiving, Oh, which is so wonderful. Uh And his plans though are to, to ask her to marry him in the spring and you know, do the actual engagement in the spring and not get married till 2023. Okay. So we're like, wow. okay, you got to finish college first, but the sweetness is um, how the conversations I'm having with, with Gabrielle about, you know, they had their first big fight over the, over Christmas and you guys can really, you know, relate all the have to, we got to go see auntie. So-and-so we got to go see, you know what I mean? Uncle so, you know, and all of the obligations and the first time that all of that is happening. And, and then the, the, you know, he playing, he's playing video games, blah, blah, blah. And sitting down with her and, and um, sharing 
sharing with her that, you know, the truth is that um, you can't change this person. A lot of women will go into a marriage and think, if he loves me, then he'll shift and change, right? Um, <laughs> if he loves me enough, I'll, he'll quit doing blah, blah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> right. Ah, that's not going to happen. And and most men go, you know, the the they say go into marriage thinking my wife is never going to change, <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't want her to change. I want her to stay the exact same way. And we just really talked about really understanding the differences between the two of them, the differences in how they grew up, and understanding that and can you live with that? Not, can you change it? Are you hoping he'll change? Um, But can you live with this? And uh, I don't even know if, if people actually think about those things. I don't think that they they do, but in our next segment, I definitely want to discuss that. My fellow Americans, Our mission here at AmericaOutloud.com is clear. We're here to defend our founding values and principles at a moment when they are under unprecedented assault. And to cover the news objectively and offer intelligent commentary on the challenges we face as a nation. You can tune in and join our family of listeners 24-7 in this vital crusade. Our apps are on Apple, Android, or Alexa. Find us on iHeartRadio or our world-class media player. It is a fight for the soul of humanity. America Out Loud Talk Radio is the voice of liberty and justice for all. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa. Award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. Listen to the Ladies of Liberty sound off on iHeartRadio or our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. I want to take a moment to introduce our host today. I am Linda Martinelli, and I am a business owner and the host of Talking While Married with my husband, Dr. Ron Martinelli, on America Out Loud, nightly, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So please join us there. We are also talking with Judy Moran. Judy is also an entrepreneur, business owner, and a trophy wife. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm also talking with Becky Kolmainen. And Becky is a voiceover artist and an excellent one. You hear her uh, in between our commercials here on America Out Loud. And she is just a joy to work with. So 
I want to go back to this marriage situation because I've got a few things to say about marriage. One of the things that we should be either teaching or teaching by example, teaching by example is always, I think, the best way, uh, which we can do as boomers, as we talked about, and we can teach our kids and the next generations how to be married, how men should relate to women. So some of the things, Judy, that you were talking about with your daughter getting engaged and congratulations is, you know, things that are important is religion important to both people. I'm not saying that it has to be, but it has to be, you have to be on the same page and kind of the same religious beliefs, because if you get into something where somebody is one thing and somebody is another thing, you're going to have problems with how to raise your kids down the road. You're going to have problems with, you know, you going one place and your husband going the other place. So those are things to talk through. And I think a lot of kids don't think about those things when the hormones are raging and you want to get married. Family, family is a big issue. Do you want to have kids? Do you get along with the family of the person you're marrying? That is a huge issue. If that family doesn't like the person that you're engaged to, that will be an issue throughout your marriage. And it may seem great right then, and you can be rebellious and you can say, you know, we're going to do it anyway, but it will have a huge impact down the road on your marriage. And the same with friends. If your friends can't stand the person you're marrying, you need to take a look at that because these are all red flags. People from the outside in can see things that maybe, as they say, love is blind and it's, blinding you to the things that are important for you to be looking at. Do you have the same interests? And I'm not saying that if he plays golf, you have to play golf. I'm just saying, do you have the same life goals? Do you have the same direction that you want to go in in life? Those are things that people need to discuss and talk about. And they need to talk about if they want to have children and how those children would be raised. And they need to have somewhat of a same page in sex, because what I have always told my girls and my boys' wives is don't play games with sex. Don't use sex as a weapon in your marriage, because I believe that women can control the world if they just know how to use themselves and their sexuality with men, because men are pretty simple. They have some very basic needs. And if we as women are smart enough to recognize those and not play games with those needs in men that turn them away from us, I mean, you you can be the queen of your marriage. So there are so many things to look at. And then look at warning signs. Is he verbally abusive or physically abusive? And then says, oh, I'm so sorry, I'll never do that again big red flag. Yes, he will. Drinking, drugs, you know, all of the financial. Are they responsible with money? That's one of the biggest reasons people get divorced. So these are all things that this generation, this Z generation that we're talking about, they need to be looking at. And I think it's our job as the older generation to help them understand how to look at that person 
And Judy, I'm just really curious if any of those things make sense to you with your daughter just getting engaged. Oh my goodness. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. The gift uh, of our sweet Justin is that um, they, they have been best friends since eighth grade. So that's kind of nice, right? <laughs> we, so we really, we really do know Justin and we know his family very well. So we know uh, as a family, we know what, what we're getting into. And yet um, Brian and I are going to have um, actually about five different sit down meetings with both of them uh, to talk about all of these issues to talk about finances, to talk about religion or spirituality and, um, you know, uh, and, and children raising their children and how, you know, are they going to be raising them in the faith um, and really um, working with them through each of these issues? Because as you know, I mean, you, you just said it, um, uh, children, finances, and sex are the three biggest challenges, right, in marriage. And um, really, really getting into the truth about all of that with them. And it was interesting because when uh, one of the things that Brian had said to Justin, um, it was very cute. It was very sweet the way Justin had presented it. He said to Brian, so fun. he said, you know, uh, Mr. Moran, he's in the Army. And he's going to Ranger School uh, here beginning on Friday. But he said, you know, Mr. Moran, I've done a lot of scary things in my life. I mean, I've, I've, you know, jumped out of airplanes, parachuted into Africa in the middle of a hot zone. Um, I've been, you know, checking houses door to door uh, with my with my team. He said, but I, I got to tell you, by far, this is the scariest thing I've ever done. <laughs> Isn't that great? That's, <laughs> That's cute. So cute. But um, one of the things that Brian had said to him is, you know, if you ever lay a hand on my daughter, that's the end of you. There'll be no questions. There'll be no second chances. There'll be nothing for you. Do you understand that? And just really having that conversation, you know. Um, then the other thing that I, I, you know, I also asked him was, so how are you when you get drunk, Justin? You know, and he looked at me and he said, he goes, well, first off, I don't really make it a habit of getting drunk. And I said, well, that's a good answer. But who are you when, you know, are you does it make you quiet? Are you kind of brooding? Are you angry? Does it change you? You know, and I said, I really want you to think about that because, um, you know, if it changes you and you really are, we we might have a problem here, you know? Um, and we talked about, um, religion and, and, uh, I mean, for us, the number one thing, the first thing we talked about was, making sure of course he grew up in a in a christian home and um went to a christian school but that doesn't mean that you've accepted jesus as your savior that doesn't mean that you have a personal relationship with god 
And so we really got into that with him too. But, um, you know, like I said, we have, we have scheduled meetings with them as a couple and Brian has, is scheduling time dinners with just Justin and himself. Um, and a good friend of ours did that with his future son-in-law. And it's like on the fourth dinner, his daughter said, dad, do, do you, do you like Tommy? Is this, you know, problem, you know, why are you doing this? And, you know, he said, you don't really understand. This is the future of our family. It's, it's the legacy of our, of our full family. And the choosing your mate is, is the most, one of the most important things you can do in your life. It's one of the most important choices you will ever make in your life. Because if you choose the right mate, your life will be wonderful. But honestly, if you choose the wrong mate, it can make your life completely miserable and horrible. And your children's life will be miserable and horrible if you choose the wrong mate. Don't you agree? Absolutely. That's so well said. I can hardly find any way to, to follow that up. <laughs> well, that's why we've been praying. I mean, since for both of my daughters, the minute they were born, we began yes. praying for their husbands. I, you know, not knowing who they were or uh, what families they were going to be coming from, but we continually prayed throughout our whole life with our children that they, you know, their families loved them, that um, they were safe and that they loved the Lord and that their hearts were tender and kind and, um, you know, that they would be really wonderful husbands and wonderful fathers. And they, they think that in this generation that, you know, if it doesn't work out, they'll just get divorced because getting divorced is so easy. And it is, but when there's children involved, then, I mean, it just rips them apart and you have to make sure that when you get married to somebody that you're going to marry somebody that is going to, first of all, if they're the, the real parent, the biological parent, Mm-hmm. then they're going to love those children and you're both going to treat those children and, and teach them properly. But if you get divorced, it's very hard to find another person that loves your children as you do. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, it's not nature's way. So can you find those people? Yes, of course. But for the most part, that's where a lot of child abuse comes in. And that's where women tend to stay with men that abuse their children that are not theirs. It's, it's just a horrible situation. So we really need to be making sure that we're being good examples and good teachers, just as you're doing, Judy. I love all the things that you say that you're doing in your family, because it is such a big decision. And these are things that young people don't think about because they're in love and Mm -hmm. they, they just don't think about all these future things. Mm -hmm. They've Mm -hmm. got to learn to look for the red flags. And then like Becky said, it is work. I mean, you're not happy every single day in marriage. Nobody's happy every single day in their life. Some days I, I adore my husband. I, 
I'm so blessed to have a wonderful, wonderful marriage with a husband that every day of my life I know loves me. Does that mean that we don't argue? No. Does that mean that every day, um, you know, something, not every day, but once in a while, something can come up and I can look at him and think to myself, I don't like you today. You know, those things happen in marriage and you have to be prepared for them. Right. And you have to know mm -hmm. how to get out of them. So, you know, we, looking back, made ourselves promises. We know that we're going to have an argument in our marriage. When we do, how are we going to handle that? And, and what mm -hmm. is okay and what's not okay? And the thing that my husband and I never do, we never ever make it personal. So we argue about the thing we're arguing about, but we don't argue or we don't throw in, you know, by the way, you're fat. Or by the way, you know, you look terrible today. What We don't do anything personal in the argument, which teaching our kids how to argue is hugely important. And it's not just with your spouse, it's with anybody. Because once you start throwing in those personal things, I mean, all bets are off. It, it devolves yeah. from there. So the, there, there's mm -hmm. a lot of lessons to learn about being married to make marriage successful. And I think that it's important mm -hmm. that this generation knows now why they're not getting married. I don't know, <laughs> Becky, I don't know why they're not getting married. Like, you know, like our generation did, but maybe just later. It is, it remains an interesting question. Truly. I mm -hmm. don't really know, except you did mention the divorce rate. And the examples mm -hmm. that some of us baby boomers have made, when you consider that the divorce rate is now over 50%, that's a pretty big deal. And that can definitely mm -hmm. sour the taste of, for marriage of, for many, many people. Uh, however, it, having family be a great example for marriage is a wonderful thing. But then you go back to if, if 50% of marriages fail, those examples are, are cut in half. They're not, they're not plentiful. So it, you know, and then even Linda going back to and Judy, the churches that you mentioned, the churches are a good example for older married couples. Haven't you been in churches where there are what mm -hmm. I call white hairs or Q-tips sitting in the pews? Mm -hmm. And they've been married for 50, 60, some 70 years. My own parents have been married 61 or 62 years and have an amazing story to tell. And I would love to write their story sometime. I think I have to wait for them both to die, but I would love to write their <laughs> story of, of marriage and the incredible work that it takes. And sometimes when people fail each other and then how God can work in healing those areas. Mm -hmm. But when okay. you're young and you're so in love and those hormones are just fueling the fire and you don't perhaps have great examples, it's a tough battle for society to promote marriage as a great thing. So having family care, Judy, the way that you are is a, an excellent example of how this can bring healing to 
I hate to use the word institution. That sounds terrible for marriage, but I know society uses it mm-hmm. as a, a relationship. Well, they, of mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a, a, I think there's a misconception that marriage is an institution. It's actually mm-hmm. a sacrament. And, um, and I yeah. think that's part of the problem that we've looked at it as a legal union rather than a sacred vow. Um, it used to be, it is a sacrament. That's what God developed it to be. And, and yet as a, a culture, we've decided to make it more like a, a contract. And, and I think that's the, the, the very first problem. Um, well, it's and it's a contract that you can get out of. Because right? they've removed God. They've removed God mm-hmm. from the So it exactly. is. In, I, in that yeah. regard, it is just a contract. Easily and broken. so when trouble hits, right. Sure. When yeah. yeah, easily broken. And when trouble hits, then um, there's no reason to stay in it because quote unquote, I'm so unhappy. Um, yeah. I remember Brian and I, so Brian and I have been married for 32 years. We've been together for 36 years. And like I said, I still think he's funny and I still think he smells good. So we're, <laughs> we're good. But, I, have, I have the same <laughs> appe- feeling about my yeah. husband and <laughs> the best of friends. Well, ladies, that's a wrap. One more step for womankind. 